got invite cards. I think you should have three invite cards. If you haven't invited someone for next Sunday, please be praying about that. Invite someone. You know, you just don't know what an invite means to someone. And you think about your life. Were you ever invited to go somewhere to come to church, invited for prayer, something like that? You know how powerful that is. And if you weren't, you probably wish that you had been invited. And so this is our opportunity as a church to share the best news that you have. The best news that you've been given is not the job that you're working at. And can I just say this? This may offend some people. The best news that you have is not who you're married to. There was, I don't know who said amen on that, but you're in trouble. Now, I'm saying the best news that we have in our eternity and our soul and our heart and our mind is changed and, and God is moving and shaking in us. And he, he, he has got you wrapped in his arms of love. You have the best news because no matter what news is going on, you have the best news. And that's Jesus Christ is in your life. That God's love is over you. And his eye is upon you. That is the best news that we have. And as a church, we have a, a mission, and that is to go share the good news of Jesus. And so this Invite Sunday is our opportunity as a church to go to your friends, go to your neighbors, go to your family, whoever it is. One person, I'm just asking one. Be praying about one. I've given you three cards. You can use those three if you want. You want more, you want more. I'm just asking one. One person in your life that you'll be praying for this week. That you'll have a time in your your head. You say, I'm just going to call that person. I know when I'm going to meet that person. Whatever it is, just simply don't. You don't have to make it scary, right? Because I don't know why, but inviting people to church is is scary for some of us or a lot of us. And we don't really know why. But just use this opportunity to to step out in faith. See what God does. And just invite someone. Say, hey, man, I'd love to have you come. Here's here's our address on our church. This is Man, we have a lot of fun. And we'd just love to have you come be a part. I'd love to have you come sit with me. I've got some uh, friends of mine that I've invited, and I hope they'll be here. But you know what? We just do our part. We invite. I don't want to go through life without missing opportunities to invite people to see Jesus. And this is all it is. Next week, it's not going to be scary. We're not going to sit here and preach through Revelation, right? And um, we're just going to, uh, what, this is our objective as a church. We're going to bring your friends. We're going to love them. So if you have somebody who didn't show up, your job is to love people and just to go meet someone and and just let them know that, hey, Christians, we're, we're kind of cool to hang out with, right? And that it, that we, it doesn't matter what they look like. Can we just agree on that? It doesn't matter if they're out there smoking in the parking lot. I don't care, right? Can we just kind of just say that and just say, hey, we don't care what kind of stuff you've got going on in your life. You come in here and Jesus will do the, he'll do all the cleaning he needs to do. We don't do the cleaning. He does it. It's not about coming in here perfect and have everything together. In fact, this place, I think we agree, we're here because we're messed up and we need Jesus to, to fix us. So, you know, we want to make sure we have the order right. Now, here's something, a couple things that I need from you. And as us as a church, um, when people come, we're going to bring out all the extra chairs. And we've got extra chairs out already, so next week's going to be uh, big. We're just believing in faith, believing that God's just bringing people. And this is, this is why we exist as a church, is just to bring people. So this, we need some help. I need some help from you. So I'm asking you as a pastor, as a body of believers, as New Life Northview, I need some help from you. There's a couple things. One is we just 
I'm asking you to kind of give up some of our rights as people who have come here. We know Jesus. We know where we're going. And we just give up some things that are of the comfort level. One of the things would be we've got the overflow parking out there. If we can have just if you want to park over there, if you could park over the overflow, you might have to walk a little bit extra. But what that does is someone who is coming to church for the little bit nervous, a little bit kind of just not really sure. They come through that parking lot and it's totally full. A lot of times they're going to go right out. But if they find a parking spot, they go over to the overflow. Um, then they have to walk all this way and they already feel uncomfortable and out, you know, of their going out of the way. Now they have to feel like they're kind of like on the back end of church. And so they're coming in. And then the second thing is I'm asking is that it can be a little intimidating to sit on the front row. We have two brave souls up here. Yeah, let's give them a round of you guys. You, I promise if you sit on the front row, we're not going to give you a round of applause. Let's just say that next week. You guys are special. But uh, really, we want people, because what happens is when somebody comes in, they're nervous. They don't know who you are. They may not have uh, an idea what church is even like. They may have preconceived ideas. They may be coming and broken and hurting. And if they walk through those doors and all the back, right, you come to church early to sit in the back row. You, 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 you come in, they come in, and everything's filled up. And they have to make their way all the way up front. And they already feel like eyes are upon them. They're not part of the group, right? So they come in and everybody's watching. That's how they feel. And it's very uncomfortable for them to come up for the next, for these few rows. And that just puts them in an awkward position. What that does, right? If someone comes in and they already feel anxious and they already feel like they're not, you know, they're kind of the outsider. And then all of a sudden they're up here and I start preaching a message of God's news to them. They're kind of already feeling stirred and kind of blocked, right? So if we can do our best to just welcome them, just us, we sit up front so we can leave the back for them so they don't feel the pressure that can be at church for visiting the first time. And then they will, will, the message just will be uh, easier to, to be received. Amen? So if we could just park in the overflow, and it won't be just this Sunday. I'm asking our church, just get in this pattern, right? Because we're seeing new people coming all the time, all the time, every Sunday. And we start giving that up and start filling up the overflow, especially when winter comes. And then we start making our way up front so that people start coming through those, those doors, which is a scary thing. And we just start saying, hey, you're, you're, you just come here. We want you to feel the, the presence of Jesus in this place. And you're going to feel loved. And you're, we don't care what your background is. Um, we, just, we just care what Jesus cares about, and that's your future. And uh, we want to we be honored to be a part of that. Does that sound good? So invite someone next week. It's going to be great. Pray for next week. In fact, we're going to do that right now as a church. We're going to pray for people next week. And that God's just going to do what he does best. Amen? God, you see the people that are going to show up next week that we don't know yet. We don't know their names. We don't know their faces. In fact, some people are going to show up by, quote, accident. But Lord, we know that you have a divine appointment for every single person that comes here next week. We ask that your Holy Spirit will be moving not just tomorrow or on Sunday, but right now. Begin to prep their hearts to see their life, where they're at, help them to reflect. We just ask that the barriers will be removed and that there will be seeds that will be able to be, begin to be planted in people's hearts to be thinking and pondering about what life is really about. Next Sunday, God, as we just embrace every single person that comes in there, help us to see them and love them as you already do. God, help us to just place ourselves second and others first in our lives. Bless our time today and next Sunday. And season it with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, said together. Amen. Amen.
You ready for church next week already? I am too. And I'm ready every single Sunday. And this is going to be a great thing for us. Well, I'm going to get right into it since we just spent the first quarter of their time talking about vision of next Sunday. And I think it's good. We are finishing up this micro series of three powerful words that change your lives. It's been great. It's been fantastic. Amen? Yeah, there we go. It's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. The first week we talked about the powerful word of yes. There, are, there is fruit that comes from saying yes. There is opportunities that you're faced with. And you say yes, there is blessings that follow from that. The job opportunity, uh, you, the, 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 the things that we step forward in in faith, not really knowing how the outcome is going to really play out when you say yes can be scary at times. God is asking us to say yes to things that we're kind of reserved about, but deep down inside, we know that we should. And so yes, we kind of say yes. Sometimes we have to step out on faith and say yes, but there's fruit and blessings and growth from yes. And it is a powerful word that will change your life. It is the reason why I am here today is because I told God in a simple prayer because I was too scared to do announcements in front of 20 people at church. Say, God, I will never say no to you again in this capacity. I hope me to say yes. And to protect the yes, the next week we said the most powerful, powerful word in your life is no. We kind of get a little defensive about the no. We don't like to we don't like to be told no. From kids, we don't like to be told no. As adults, we don't like to be told no. But some of the best fruit in your life is a result of the no. Now, we may be thinking, okay, you just preached on yes, now you're preaching on no. I mean, would you make up your mind? Which one do you want us to do? Well, your no is only there as an affirmation or confirmation of the yes that you made. You make your best yes, and then on the no is to protect the yes. So we're not just those people that just say no, 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 right? We're saying no because we want to say yes to something that is going to add value to me, add value to the relationship with God. It's going to add value to a family. It's going to add value to my time. It's going to produce fruit in me. It's going to give me rest. And here's the thing. We use rest as an excuse to not do anything. That's incorrect. I'm just in a season of rest. Don't fall into that trap. Okay? You can be in a season of rest, but you rest by saying no so you can do something that gives you life. Because when you're doing, when you're saying yes to the right things, you gain rest in saying yes to the right things. Correct? So when we say yes to the right things, there's fruit, there's abundance, there's a joy, and you could be busy doing all the yes things, but you have more rest when you are doing less of the no things. Is that, am I tracking with you? Are we tracking together? Lord, help my words today. So we have the yes and the no, and today is a... Good, nobody said maybe. That's good, because... that's. As we said last week, no good comes from maybe. Jesus didn't call the disciples and their life changed by Peter saying, yeah, maybe, I'll follow you, maybe. No life changes come from maybe. If that's in your vocabulary, let's just get rid of that, okay? Now you can say, I need time to pray. That's, that's a better word. So we have yes, no, you ready? Commit. Commit. Now this is different, right, because we follow up our yes and our no, you have the two words that we speak into our lives or our life and outward. And then we have the, we are going to commit. So you have the two words and then you have the action. Your words are just words and they don't mean anything unless you commit to following that. 
Commit with action. That's where we are. Jesus was a man of action. The disciples were men of action. They weren't just men of words. They were men of action. And I'll tell you, we men of action or people of action, men and women of action, they, they start out, though, with the power of their words. So I want to hover on this because there are power in your words. There is power in the words of Jesus. There is power in the word of God. There is power when you speak the name of Jesus. There is power when you recite God's word of scripture. There is power in your words. And this is not just something that we're saying as a self-help book, right? Or something that is trying to influence on a secular level. We're talking about scriptural stuff, right? Proverbs, death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Matthew, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. There is power in the words that we speak, and most people do not speak with power in their words. And a simple example of this is if you greet someone, and we're very familiar with this, if you greet someone and say, how are you? They say, okay, how are you doing today? Fine. How are you doing today? So-so. How things going? That's been better. There's no power in those words. Right? If you want to see a life change, you want to see somebody's eyes sparkle, you want to see somebody get eye contact, you ask them, you say, or they ask you, how are you doing? You say, man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing wonderful. And you know what happens? That is a change in your words that is a, an active that, that will change someone else's Reaction. You just try it. You watch because there's a power in the word that you just spoke to them. When you say something that has power, it's going to influence. When we greet someone just simply as this, and I don't want to hover on this too long, but you greet someone with a powerful word, they say like, man, I'm doing fantastic. They respond with, why? Well, let me tell you why. Right? Because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And we understand what Savior really means. And you're able to share why you feel this way. And here's the thing. Some of us don't feel fantastic. Some of us don't feel great. And we respond because of our emotions. But guess what? No matter how bad your day is, no matter how bad your week is, you always have something to say, I'm fantastic, when you have Jesus in your life. Because despite the circumstances, despite the hardships that you're, you're, you're struggling with, despite all of that, if you know that you're wrapped in God's love, you know that you're fantastic. You just may not feel it. So we don't have to just respond on what we feel, but we can respond on what we know. And you know where your soul is. When you're in a relationship with God, when you know that God loves you, you know you have a great answer to give, even if your heart doesn't feel it. Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. Joyce Myers said, words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. There's power in words. What you say is what you get. Zig Ziglar. Be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Be careful about what your words say. And as scripture says, it's like a rudder on a ship that determines its course. The words that we use are more powerful than, well, I think, what we realize. It's in a 
a powerful thing, a powerful tool that you and I get to tap into. Now, here's the thing. There's power in each way. How you choose and what you determine to say will influence you by its power. There are some words that are power robbing words and they will influence you and empower you to a wrong heart or attitude. Here's some words that we should start eliminating from our vocabulary. That is, I can't. I tell my kids, whether you believe that you can or you can't, you're right. I can't. We need to eliminate that. If I'm not ready, try. What's Yoda's quote on try? I I, I try to do it. It's like a note. There is no do. There's only try. There we go. Thank you. Who's the Star Wars fan back there? And you busted that. We got it. Yeah, Yoda. All right. So try, eliminate that. I don't think, I don't have the time. Maybe, I'm afraid, I don't believe. It's impossible. These are words that we need to start eliminating from our vocabulary because they are powerful enough to influence your attitude, the way that you think, and even your spiritual walk. If you're continually saying, I can't, I don't believe, it's impossible, you're never going to believe anything's possible for God. And therefore, if you don't believe that it's possible for God, if you need to change, you're just not going to change. And it all begins with our words. And it's not enough to just ignore these words. Can you hear me? A sports team needs more than a good defense to win. It also needs a powerful offense. You need a powerful offense in your life. So to mobilize this, we have words that are full of power that we can say and speak. I can is a great one. How many biblical heroes started with, I can or I will? Expect the best. I know. I will make the time. I do have what it takes. I am confident enough. I do believe all things are possible. And I commit. That's where power changes from the word to our lives is commit. This is where The words change and transform from us on the inside and now into action. See, it's not enough just to say the words. We better follow up with action and activity in our lives. And that activity is something that we commit to. That action, that response is something we're committed to. The power of who you want to become, it may start with words, but it's produced through the power of action in your lives and the commitment to that. Influence will follow action, and action always follows your words. And James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Commit to it. You have to believe it, you have to live it, and you have to make your life's decisions through the word and your words and how you respond to it. We don't just say that we love God. We commit to him. We don't just say that we give our lives over to God. We surrender to Jesus. We don't just say that we believe in the Bible. and we, sur- we surrender to it. Words are only words unless we choose to cause action in our lives. The yes and the no's. You can say yes and no, but if it's not followed up with, with an action, you're going to be left with someone who people know as a flake. We've got to have people of action. The words of Jesus... Don't change us unless we apply them to our lives. 
The application is what changes us. It's the faith in Jesus' words. Many people have heard Jesus' words, but haven't had life change. It's how we apply them, people of action. We must commit to saying yes and to no, and no to the right things consistently. We have an apple tree in our yard. It's a, a, a honeycrisp tree, and we just planted it a couple of years ago, and it's right in the front window, and I'm excited for that thing to grow, and it's positioned perfectly. But let's say I planted that tree, and a few months later, let's say four months later, I don't like where that position is, so I dig it up, dig up the roots, and I think, I'm going to plant it in the backyard. I think it's going to look better in the backyard. So I dig a hole, and I plant this tree in the backyard. And then after a few months later, and, and I, I decide, you know, I, I made a mistake. I don't really want to make, plant it there. I'm going to put it on the side yard. There's better sun over there anyway. So I dig it up, and I plant it onto the side yard. And a few months later, I move it right back to the front yard. Not only will this tree fail to flourish and produce fruit, it's just going to struggle to survive. Because some people struggle to survive and produce fruit because they keep digging themselves up and planting themselves in areas that they are not committed to. They keep transplanting themselves from one idea to the next. They commit themselves to reading God's word. They commit themselves to praying. They commit to growing for a couple of months or a few months, and all of a sudden they uproot themselves, and they go back to an old pattern of way of living. They do that for a while, and they come back to God, and then they plant themselves, and they they go back and forth and back and forth, and all of a sudden after years, they, they feel like they've been walking with God, but it's just been a struggle, and they're saying, God, where's all this fruit that you promised? And all the while, they can't God can't produce fruit in something that keeps uprooting itself. And it needs to stay committed and planted. And God will plant you by the stream of living water. The choice is, are you going to stay there? There is something about being committed to Jesus. There is something that the Bible talks about. The endurance that wins the race. Where's the endurance? What happens when there is endurance? There is the prize at the end. There is fruit. There's so many of us that just keep uprooting our faith because of circumstances and scenarios. I'm going to plant here. I'm going to plant there. The grass is always greener on the other side. Stay committed. You want to see spiritual fruit in your life? You've got to use this word in your life. Commit. Jesus said, and I want you to respond with me on this because this is powerful. We're talking about words. And I think that when we, when we say this together, it's going to settle in into our hearts a little bit more. In John chapter 15, verse 4, remain in me. Now, every time that I say remain or I pause, I'm going to have you say remain. You ready? Every time I pause, and you're going to say the word. Every time that I pause, you're going to say remain. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch who is thrown who is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fruit and disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Be committed to staying in love with Jesus. Every decision that you make, everything that you say yes to, and everything that you say no to should be an act of remaining in his love. He is the vine. He is the one where we gain all of the nourishment with. If we cut ourselves off from remaining in the vine, we are not going to flourish. We are not going to grow. In fact, our spiritual life is going to wither and die. Can I just tell you, you don't need church to save you, but you need to be together with people so that you can grow. One of the biggest excuses, and it's ridiculous, is that I don't need church. That is incorrect and that is not biblical. You need church because you are connected to the vine with Jesus and each other. And there is power when there is two or three gathered together. And you need power in your life because six days out of the week, most of the time, you're in a powerless world. And you need to be filled up with God's spirit by each other, encouraged and prayed for and reunited. Hearing the word of God that builds your faith. Stay connected to the vine. That's Jesus. Remain in his Love, be planted, be committed, have regularity, be steadfast. This is what produces fruit in our lives. It is an outcome. It is a result of us pursuing God, even when we sometimes don't feel like we're in the mood. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water in Psalm 1. Let the fruit come to what you commit yourself to, the yeses. And protecting it with a no. Commit to that. For those who want to see spiritual fruit. Stay committed to staying connected with Jesus. And here we go. I'm going to give you three principles that are practical uh, things. That we can use to increase our spiritual walk with God. They're practical tools. Because I like giving tools for us to use. It's something that we can apply in our lives. It's something that we can remember. It's something that we can say. Okay, here's, the, here's where I'm tracking. This is where I need to go. And it's going to produce spiritual fruit. We have the yeses, we have the noes, and here's the commit. You ready? What kills the commitment or the consistency? I'm going to tell you, it's our goals. Something we need to do is stop setting goals. You may be thinking, well, this is a motivational killer. We need to stop setting goals as Christians. We need to stop having goals of saying, I'm going to be planted in God's word. I'm going to be planted with faith. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to be a person of deed. And I know your ears are like, what on earth is this guy talking about? Here's why we need to stop committing ourselves to goals. Because when you set goals in your spiritual life, you're just headed towards an objective rather than growth. Because all of a sudden you start setting your goals. I'm going to read my Bible. And all of a sudden Jesus, it becomes this pride issue. It becomes something that you do rather than who you are. I'm not telling you not to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible. But we got to stop setting that as a goal and start looking at it as a growth tool. God doesn't want you to set objectives for your spiritual walk. He wants you to set 
a growth pattern, a growth track for your life so that you will continue to grow and flourish. When we set these objectives and we meet those, guess what happens? We begin to put a badge on our shoulder. I read the Bible all the way through now. I've got John chapter, uh, John 3, 16 and 17 memorized. And there's another badge. I, I, I've, I've been to every men's retreat. And we start setting these goals and all of a sudden it becomes about us and what we are fulfilling. Stop setting goals and start setting your eyes towards growth and being connected to the vine. I'm going to hover around this just a little bit further, go a little bit deeper. You ready? Goals versus growth. This is the difference. Now, goals are good. They're not bad. They're not evil. They are good. But here is where you, we, we talk about the good things, saying yes to the good things. Or saying no to the good things and saying yes to the best things. So goals are good. Growth is best. Goals focus on your destination. Mo, uh, goals focus on motivating you and others. These are good things. It motivates you. It's seasonal. It will even challenge you. But it stops when the goal is reached. Now, here's the best thing. Growth is the best thing. Why? Because it focuses on the journey. And Jesus is all about the journey. Jesus walked with his disciples and journeyed with him. And he developed, they had a whole lot of issues that they needed to work out. And he was all about the journey and the process with the disciples. Growth, it matures you and others. Versus challenges. Growth is lifelong. Growth changes you. Growth keeps you growing past your goals. Stop focusing on your goals and the objectives and start focusing on the growth. That's where you're going to find life and that's where you're going to see spiritual fruit. Two, say yes into believing in the small things. Now, yes, I did just use the yes, right? Say yes to believing in the small things of today. Too many people fall into the trap of just believing that tomorrow will grow you. One of the biggest mistakes that we believe is that life experience is just going to grow you. That's incorrect thinking. You have to be intentional and purposeful about growth. Many people believe that as I get older, I'm just going to grow. That's incorrect. Some people might. But we have to be intentional. How many of us know people who have gone through a whole lot of experiences and haven't learned anything? How many people know that you can go through life and you're just that person is just the same today as they were 20 years ago? Because they are believing that tomorrow or the experiences that they have tomorrow is just going to grow them. But if you're not prepared for the experiences that will come tomorrow to change and reflect our heart, the God's heart, we will not grow spiritually. Growth happens when we believe in the power of the yes today. Can I just say this even further? Right now, where you're sitting at church, you made a right decision to come here so that we can grow. When you take these words and you begin to apply them in the life, today, you begin to grow today so that tomorrow will be a different outcome. What we don't want to do is fall into the same trap of tomorrow, tomorrow, thinking that today is just fine. And that tomorrow will take care of itself. We should be in the aspect of looking towards tomorrow as different than today and growing. Start with today. 
Start with today, Sunday. Don't fall in the trap of tomorrow will bring growth by itself. Life lived for tomorrow will always be just a day away from being realized. Most people believe that you just grow by yourself. And it just happens unintentionally. That's incorrect. Jesus was intentional about developing his disciples and how they would respond to that. The disciples were intentional about the responses to Jesus for the next day they would be prepared for what is coming next. Don't believe in the lie that tomorrow just takes care of itself. Change your patterns and your habits. That's what this is about. God is wanting to change your patterns and your habits. The habits of how you think, the habits of how you react, the habits of how you respond, the habits that have taken up your time, the habits that are not good for you, the bad habits. And bad habits never change unintentionally. They don't change by accident. Bad habits only change when you implement good habits to replace those bad habits. People who people do not decide their future. John Maxwell says this. People do not decide their future. They decide their habits and their habits decide their future. Be committed to change. Be committed to let God change your vocabulary so that it honors him. Be consistent to change the way that you respond and react to God's word. Practice believing in the promises for tomorrow. You're going to have to practice this. You're going to have to start trusting that. Even when you're not sure because it's going to go against your nature. You're going to have to practice responding in a different way that you have always responded. You're going to have to practice changing today and your conversations or your relationships or your yeses or your noes. Today, you have to practice that when you're not ready. Hebrews says this about solid food, right? Mature Christians, we love solid food. We like to chew on those tough questions. Well, we've been brought to this point, right? That's why next week we're not going to be preaching about Revelation because they're just not ready, really there yet. We're going to let them know about the love of God. But solid food is for the mature. How do you get mature? It spells it out right here. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, trained by the constant practice, the constant practice to distinguish good from evil, being able be, to be committed to the constant practice of change of habits, of good habits, bad habits, the things in our lives that we need to be eliminating, the things in our lives that we need to be adding. Commit to believing in the small decisions that are in front of you today this afternoon, I, my voice cracked last service too. A, I don't know what's going on, but commit to believing this afternoon. You know what happens after church? We have a great experience at church. You'll have a great experience at the altar. You know what we need to do? We need to commit to not letting doubt settle into our hearts when we go home because that's the first thing that will happen. Satan will come in and be like, that didn't really happen. Was that really real? Was that really God speaking to you? You have to commit to saying, God, I am trusting in your move, in your power, in your word, and I'm operating by faith and not feelings. Commit to believing in the small decisions as in trusting God when the enemy starts sparking doubt. Trust in God in what you are going to uh, say to your boss and how you're going to respond to him. Trust in God into how you're going to respond to your children. Commit to honoring God with your time. Commit to the small decisions that will make a big impact in your life. And this one here, 
commit yourself to produce. In fact, I would go even further than this. Commit yourself to produce more. Those of us or those of you who are feel like there's fruit coming from your lives. We need to commit to producing more than what we currently are. If we get comfortable with the fruit that is being produced now, eventually that fruit will be plucked and no new fruit will be added. When we grow, when we are challenged to step out in faith, we produce fruit, or rather, God produces fruit in our lives. The challenge is to have our mind thinking ahead of us to where we see ourselves not of who we are, but where we want to be or what God can make us to be, where the fruit, the greater fruit is. Stepping out in those areas where you want to say yes to, but you don't feel like you're ready. Staying, saying yes to those areas where you where you think I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough uh, scripture verses memorized. I'm not ready to step out yet because and invite my my neighbor to church because I I, I don't know them that well or they've seen me and how I react to my dog. You know, uh, so we we begin to think about who we are versus who we who God wants us to be, and we need to be responding to God's word of who He wants us to be and not really who we are currently. And when we seek after the fruit that is in front of us, that will follow because we are beginning to chase after God's desires and not ours. And God will place a new desire in your heart and therefore he will give you the desires of your heart. Producing more fruit. That's what we want. When we grow, God challenges us. We produce fruit and the people around us, they see Jesus in you. That's the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. They see your joy and they, it is infectious and they want what you have. They see a peace inside of you and it's turmoil. They know your situation. They know it's terrible and yet you just have a peace about it and you know it's Jesus. That's fruit right there for somebody to pluck and they come to you. You're the tree or the vine and they bring or the branch and they take that and they, they ingest that sweet fruit that you have and it causes them to desire and inside that fruit are seeds and seeds are planted inside of that person. And so... The fruit that you possess are seeds that are planted in other people. But we have to be willing to pursue more fruit. God doesn't want you to just have the fruit that you're at right now and just be fine with it. He has more and more. And the fruit is your influence. He wants to increase your territory. He wants to increase you and your influence, not of who you are, but of who God is. And that may mean influencing God in your life. And the best way would be sometimes in through the most difficult circumstances that you're in right now. That may be the greatest area of fruit that people see Jesus. All of us want to produce healthy things in our lives. And the healthy things are fruit when we direct our decision making towards God. And we know, we know what attitudes we want to change, right? We're kind of there, we know. We know what kind of person we want to be. We know what, where we want to, the person we want to be. We, want, we know how we want to um, project ourselves to other people and what kind of friend we want to be to, to others. We, want, we, we know how we want to be known for God. We know who we don't want to be anymore. And let me just get right down on us. We may even be uh, real spiritual about it and just pray for that. God changed my heart. But if it's just words and there's no action, then it's just going to be empty prayers because God will align your heart 
to make a decision, and that decision is followed by an action every time. Are we going to activate our faith, and we are going to be committed to the process and to the journey that Jesus is walking us through right now, walking you through? And here's another trap for us, why we don't stay committed. Because simply, life gets tough, and we just stop being in the mood. You're motivated, you're excited, you just came home. We see this in teenagers a lot with youth camp. They're on fire for two weeks. And then after those two weeks, all those decisions to make, wake up every morning, to be that, to be that evangelist at their school, to, to invite their friends at, at, to youth. We see that fade away after a couple of weeks because they're just not in the mood after a while. Bad things happen. The, 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 you know, there's stresses and struggles. Not just teenagers. I mean, this is speaking to us, right? We get motivated, we get excited about it, and all of a sudden we don't feel like we're in the mood anymore to read God's Word. You get in an argument with your wife, you don't, that's, that's not the first thing you do is go, go and read, the, read God's Word. You just don't feel like doing that. But being committed is doing things and being disciplined to do it even when you don't feel like doing it. Being disciplined and doing things even when you don't feel like doing it. One of the, one of the, the, the biggest traps is motivation. I will start doing this when I feel motivated. And we fall into the trap of saying, okay, well, I'm going to find that motivation. I'm going to, we're gearing all of our attention on the motivation. We try and get ourselves there. We try and get ourselves spiritually like motivated and super, uh, uh, super energized. And God says, if you just pursue me in your disciplines, I'm going to provide that motivation inside. If you want to use that word, we're going to, I'm going to provide that desire for you. So we take those steps first and we commit to that, and God meets us in new ways and brings us into a life that is desiring Him. Don't fall into the trap of making it convenient on your terms when it feels the best for you to follow after Him. Pursue the, the fruit in your life. Be disciplined to make change even when you don't desire it. Commit yourself to being disciplined. Discipline is really a root word uh, that's found in discipleship. Now words, they, they keep us, they get us going, they get us started. The yes and the no's get us started, but it's the commitment that keeps us growing and produces fruit. The challenge is to be committed to growth as a lifelong process, a lifelong journey, and it starts right now at this very second and today. And you'll be amazed at what happens tomorrow. That's where you'll begin to see the fruit. You want tomorrow not to see the change. You want to see tomorrow as the fruit that God is bearing in your life. Today is the change. Today is the yes. Today is the no. Today is the commitment so that tomorrow yields the fruit. That is what we look for to God to help us in our walk with Him. God, change us today. Change us today for the best outcome that you have tomorrow. Let's stand together. Psalm 37. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn and your vindication like the noonday sun. He is going to fight your battles for you when you put your focus upon him he is going to shine through you like the dawn a new day a new beginning 
and the mercies on, the, on your life are going to shine out because you're going to declare how good God is and the fruit that is going to be in your life is going to be visible in people's lives where you're in a dark world and you're that dawn that comes up and Jesus is shining through you and shedding light through everybody that will see that there is something different. And it's not that there's a question, but they're going to know that it's Jesus in your life. And you may not even have to say anything. That's the fruit that comes from your life. That Jesus is using you when you're ready to step out into your yeses and your noes and commit to him on a daily basis for change. They are going to see it. They are going to know it. And you're going to reflect God's love. It's going to be in your speech. It's going to be in your action. It's going to be in your relationships. It's going to be all over you where people cannot ignore the sun coming up. People will not be able to ignore God's love in your life being demonstrated through you and in your circumstances in season and out the good times and the bad times. The thing that will be consistent in your life is your is God's love through you. If we commit to remaining in his love, that's the power of of God in your life. We say yes. To the fruit. We say no. To the things that we need to say no to. So that that fruit can flourish in abundance. And we commit. Amen. I want us to pray together. Let's bow our heads. And I want to pray this prayer for everybody. Because I think we're all here. In this together. Because there's always things that we, decisions that we need to say yes to and decisions that we need to just say no to. So I'm going to pray just for a, for a discernment that that's the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you as we commit to following God in a deeper way. I'm going to just pause for a minute. I'm just going to let... God just kind of direct my words for just a second here. God, help us. Help us to see our lives with a clear picture. The blurred lines sharpen that vision in us. The decisions that we may not know where to say yes or know at right now God clear that up in our hearts the questions in our lives where we're that are coming up to where we need to be committed to God solidify that at, not in a pressure but in, as in a realization of how much fruit is there help us to see the fruit so that we Know where to place our best yes. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and give us the right words to say at the right time. That it's not us speaking, but it's you. We invite you to move inside of our hearts and that our words will be a reflection of your words. Hide your word inside of our spirit, God. Quicken our mind to know what your voice sounds like. Help us, God, to make decisions that are based upon following you. Help us, Lord, to 
seek you in every decision, every area of our life. We surrender it to you. We commit to you today. We desire the fruit of tomorrow. Help us today to make changes, the small changes. Help us to see those changes that need to be seen in us. Use the power of your Holy Spirit and your word to divide, to convict, to change us. We invite you to do that. Change our thinking. Change our minds and our thought processes. To look at your ways and not our ways. To lean upon you and not our understanding. We want to seek you first, God. And your kingdom. Let everything else be in your hands. Go before us this week. Go before us this week as we are moved, we are moved to not only be a difference, but to make a difference for you, God. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for you. Help us each and every day to do that as we surrender our lives to you. We give you our decisions, our yeses and our noes. In Jesus' name we said together. Amen. Amen. God sees your week. He sees tomorrow. And he sees the blessings and the fruit that are ahead of you. And he's challenging us today, us as a church, that we are growing deeper and more spiritually right now. I want you to know that. And there is something, I'm, tell, I'm talking to you as a pastor right now, there is something just on the brink of our church that's just right in the next steps. I'm telling you, it is powerful. And as a church, we have to be pre- uh, prepared for this. And I'll tell you just vulnerable right now. I don't have it up here, but I have it here. God's speaking inside of my heart right now. There are some big things happening. And us as a church, we are going to move together. and We're going to influence together big. And there are some things right here that God is changing inside of my mind. And it, is, it, is, it has been a scramble, but it, God is putting the pieces together in my heart, my mind. And he's connecting the dots and I'm getting excited and I'm getting teary because God is doing things in you. And this is all about us reaching this community. And I don't know why I said that, but I'm just telling you that, that, that God is moving in all of us. And we're on this journey and this process together. And we don't have goals. We have goal, uh, growth in mind. Spiritual growth in us and spiritual growth in others. Amen. Be praying about us as, as, as believers, as a family that we can make the best yeses and the best noes, right? So we know how to follow God. That's our number one passion. God, help us to follow you in our decisions as a church, as NLNV, to make the greatest impact so we see the greatest fruit in people's lives flourish. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day.